Hello, and welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. I'm Pastor Joshua Curtinback. Today is the 18th Sunday after Pentecost. Our Gospel reading for today is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him, because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me, for the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves, and be at peace with one another. This is the word of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you, from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I once heard a sketch on a Christian radio show that involved someone playing a celebrity pastor pretending to sell his latest book, saying, If you have two eyes and two hands, you're not a true follower of Jesus. We may chuckle at the joke, but it's almost an uncomfortable laugh, because it points us to difficult texts which call for a complete dedication and submission to the Lord God, like these passages from our gospel today. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. What do we make of these? Is our Lord commanding us to self-mutilate in order to attain eternal life? No, of course not. He's come to heal, not destroy. He is using hyperbole, rhetorical device used to make a point. The point here is that sin is serious business, and our reaction to it and its sources have a bearing on our eternal home. He overstates the first part, the part about cutting off a body part, in order to emphasize the very real punishments for sin, the consequences for it in the age to come. But how do we know that his words regarding cutting off a hand or foot that causes you to sin or tearing out an eye that causes you to sin is hyperbole? Well, where is the source of sin? Is it in the hands or the feet or the eyes? Does sin reside in these parts that it may easily be removed from us by cutting them off? Or is it somewhere far more internal, more entrenched within us? Does sin not flow from the heart which has been corrupted by it? Is it not our Lord who said, For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. And did he not also inspire the prophet Jeremiah to write, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Yes, all who live now live with sinful flesh, fallen and corrupt flesh, which is the source of sin within us. 
This cannot be so removed from us until the day when we die, or when the Lord returns and transforms our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by his power. But while sin finds its source within us, there are also temptations that exist externally, outside of ourselves, temptations from without which would draw us to sin, sin which is comfortable, sin which might even be expected in our society by us or others, sin which may even be familiar. Our Lord, in his words this morning to us, calls upon us to remove from ourselves such temptations. He calls on us to remove such temptations which would lure us into sin as cleanly and as clearly off as if it were a body part cut off from us. If an activity you participate in tempts you into sin, cut it off. It's better to go into life without it rather than into hell because of it. If a place you frequent or enjoy causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to be brought into the kingdom of God having given up such a place rather than join those who frequent it in hell. If a friend or association causes or tempts you to sin, tear yourself out of them. It is better to enter eternal life having friendship only with God than having a multitude of friends in hell. These sayings are serious because sin is serious, and a difficult life here on earth because we keep ourselves from sinful pleasures, activities, and company is far more pleasant than the unquenchable fires of hell. It may cause one to be shunned or mocked or belittled by the world. It may mean there are fewer job prospects, that children and grandchildren are kept from sports or other activities and thus face difficulties with others at school. But all of this discomfort is nothing compared to the eternal bliss and joy of the heavenly fellowship with God and his kingdom which has no end. Our Lord warns us of this, because of his love for us and his desire to save us. For that is why he came into the world, that becoming man he might heal our nature by the union of the divine and human nature in one person. And by his death on the cross in our place, he has won the forgiveness of sins for us, so that when we have faith in him, he takes away our sins and gives to us his righteousness in a blessed and sweet exchange. When we are regenerated in the sacrament of baptism and our hearts of stone are replaced with hearts of flesh, when we are born again from above, God himself makes his dwelling within us. We who are justified are those who have been made right with God by faith. And so he dwells within us because he has made peace with us through his Son. Being truly present in us, he begins to renew and restore our nature, sanctifying us, making us holy as he is holy, preparing us for the life to come in his presence. Our Lord warns us this morning because to love sinning, to seek after sin, after we have been freed from it, is to reject God who has saved us, who has freed us, and who dwells within us. To not cut off temptation, but rather to seek it out, to remain among it, to not resist the devil, is to seek out and remain among those which God has saved us from. It's like Israel, grumbling and desiring to go back to Egypt despite God's salvation, rejecting God in order to return to slavery. And do not be deceived. God does not and cannot remain in such a person. Sin drives him out. That is why our Lord speaks of the seriousness of sin. We have been saved from it. Why return? Why seek it out? Why put ourselves in such danger as to return to sin? Why reject our Savior? Rather, the Lord invites us to evermore seek after him, for we have been justified and he dwells within us as his temple. He has done all to save us, so let us seek his love more and more and love the things which he loves. Let us seek not those things which cut us off from God, but rather seek him where he promises to be found in the word and sacraments. 
when we do fall into sin because of our sinful flesh, which we daily struggle against, let us return to him, seeking his mercy as he promises us, confessing our sins that we may be forgiven by our God and Savior. Let us seek him in his word, where he works with his spirit to build us up in the true faith and to strengthen our trust in him and our love for him and our neighbor, where he reveals to us the depth of our corruption. Also, though, the greater depths of his love he reveals to us and what he has done to save us from sin, justifying us and forgiving us, where he trains us in righteousness and equips us for every good work as we mortify the sinful flesh by his power and dwelling within us as he sanctifies us by his Holy Spirit, where he gives us hope and joy and comfort in the midst of the difficulties and strife of this world plagued by sin and death, a world which constantly tries to draw us back to itself. Let us seek him in the sacrament of the Lord's body and blood, where he feeds us with his own perfect and glorified body, which he once gave into death for the forgiveness of our sins, and now gives to us, so that being forgiven as we receive his gifts with faith, we may also commune with him and be changed and renewed by his perfect body. He does this for us because he knows that on our own we are weak and cannot overcome our own flesh, let alone the world. But take heart, he has overcome the world for you. And he dwells in you and works in you and through you so that you may daily mortify the flesh by contrition and faith in him. He dwells in you. And so your humblest act of love and charity towards your neighbor and your brothers and sisters in Christ are elevated and accepted by God because of his presence and work within you and your fellow Christian. He strengthens you by his means of grace for life in the world because the Christian life is a continual struggle against the flesh, the world and the devil. But Christ has overcome all of these by his life and death, and so he empowers you to daily turn to him, to seek him more and more, to love him more and more, to trust him more and more by his power and working. It is difficult, and we might lose friends and be rejected by family because of this faith and call for complete submission to God and his will. But he promises us that he will never leave us or forsake us, but remain with us. And while it may hurt in the meantime to lose those parts of us which find it convenient or joyful or familiar to sin, the Lord promises us blessings far greater in the life to come, which he will bestow upon us because of his love for us. For he has justified us by grace through faith in his Son, and he now dwells within us. And in the life to come, we will be in his presence and see him face to face. There all joy will be complete, all pain removed. There our nature will no longer be fallen or corrupt, but instead restored and perfected, surpassing anything we know here. There our holiness, which is here imperfect and struggle, will be whole and a perfect reflection of his holiness. There we will live with him forever in peace and fellowship with him and all the saints whom he has saved by his grace. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this sermon today from our Savior Lutheran Church. We pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.